You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Investigators are still trying to figure out what sparked an early morning house fire that claimed the lives of two members of a North Vancouver family. And tonight we are learning more about the victims, one of whom is a former city councillor. Julie Nolan is live at the scene with what we know. Julie? Yeah, Sophie, we now know that one of the victims was longtime North Vancouver City Councillor Bob Fearnley, along with his daughter Gail. Breaking out early this morning, the blaze proved to be a tough one for fire crews. Explosions and arcs of electricity proving to be a challenge for fire crews. This single-family home on Delbrook Drive and Granada Crescent engulfed in flames around 3 a.m. I woke up uh, with the explosion sound um, more than two or three times happened. And uh, first of the first time when I saw the out of the window, I see the uh, fires comes from this my neighbor. Our first in fire engine was on scene in approximately six and a half minutes and uh, found that the structure was significantly involved. A deck on the side of the house completely destroyed and two vehicles scorched by the extreme heat and fire. 27 firefighters on scene from both North Vancouver and the District of North Vancouver Fire and Rescue Services saying it proved to be a challenging fire. They were able to take uh, offensive uh, actions to work to extinguish the structure and unfortunately were unable to uh, alter the outcome uh, that we've uh, encountered today uh, with, the, with the two fatalities. Two bodies were discovered inside the home. RCMP say several others managed to escape and confirmed two adults, a man and a woman, died in the fire and two other adults were taken to hospital. So at this point, we're not releasing the age. All we know, they were family members, adults. The coroner was here early in the day and fire and police investigators were on scene collecting evidence. North Vancouver's mayor confirmed longtime city councillor Bob Fearnley died in the fire along with his daughter, Gail. He served on city council for 15 years, later losing his seat in 2011. And Julie, the community obviously would be devastated by that loss and that fire. What are we hearing from the mayor of North Vancouver tonight? Well, flags are flying at half-mast at North Vancouver City Hall. North Vancouver Mayor Linda Buchanan issued a statement that reads, On behalf of Council, I want to extend my deepest condolences to the friends and families across the North Shore who are grieving this tragic loss. No other details are being released as the investigation continues. Back to you, Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Julie Nolan reporting in North Vancouver. We're learning more tonight about the Surrey police constable who took his own life at a Langley gun range. As Catherine Urquhart reports, his tragic decision might be connected to an investigation into his conduct. Dillbag Dylan Hoti had served in the military, worked as a Surrey RCMP officer, and more recently was a member of the Surrey Police Service. On Wednesday, he took his own life at a shooting range in Langley. Witnesses included police officers. We understand that police were there um, in, in response to the incident that uh, the individual was involved in, perhaps prior to that incident occurring. That prior incident may be linked to criminal allegations against Hoti, who was suspended in August amid an investigation. It was a breach of trust investigation that was being fronted by Surrey RCMP. 
and was working its way through BC Prosecution Services. Surrey RCMP aren't revealing details about their breach of trust investigation, nor will they confirm whether the officer was about to be charged. Related court documents are sealed. But Langley RCMP did say they were dispatched to the range for a man in distress. We understand that there certainly were people and witnesses around. Um, we, of course, don't know all the details of that. That's what we're following up on. Sources say Hoti no longer possessed his service revolver. It's unclear if he had a personal weapon. Also unknown if a recent risk assessment was done on Officer Hoti to determine mental health or safety concerns. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The BC Prosecution Service has revealed why it decided not to charge three Vancouver police officers in connection to a notorious case of sexual exploitation. In August of 2019, VPD Detective Jim Fisher pleaded guilty to two counts of breach of trust and one count of sexual exploitation after engaging in a sexual relationship with a victim he met as part of his job in the VPD's counter-exploitation unit. In 2020, it was announced three other officers would not be charged in an alleged attempt to obstruct the investigation into Fisher's actions. Now, more than two and a half years later, the BC Prosecution Service says while it believes the officers were misleading or deceitful during interviews, there was not a substantial likelihood of conviction if they were charged. Police say they've made a major dent in any illegal drug trafficking operation based in the Peace region. The Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit shows off a large quantity of illegal drugs, including cocaine and methamphetamine. They also found 34 firearms, ammunition, body armor and several vehicles that were all seized in the Fort St. John, Dawson Creek and Fort Nelson areas. The CFSEU says 23 people have been arrested over the course of an eight-month investigation that began in June last year. No names have been released yet pending charge approval by Crown Counsel. A major Vancouver-based developer that has 16 condo projects on the books has filed for creditor protection. As part of Coromandel Properties' court filing, the company is placing some of the blame for its financial predicament on Vancouver's slow approval process and the rapid rise of interest rates over the past year. Aaron MacArthur reports. From Oak Street, no signs of anything amiss. But the developer... Coral Mandel is facing a mountain of debt and creditors demanding payment. The company facing insolvency, petitioning the court this week to restructure its finances. Over the last decade, the company has been acquiring land to redevelop around Vancouver. Court documents list 16 properties, mostly in pre-development stages at this point, where Coral Mandel is having difficulty making payments. Court documents indicate there is a total of approximately $700 million in outstanding debt secured against the projects. As a result, the petitioners have insufficient cash flow to complete development. The company also places blame with City Hall, saying the process to develop real estate in Vancouver is complex, expensive and slow. Having not seen um, you know, the inner workings of the company that went ba uh, bankrupt, I do know that there are other mitigating factors. Um, and there are a lot of other uh, developers in our city who are still in business in the same system. 
No one from Coromandel, including Chief Operating Officer and former City Councillor Raymond Louie, would speak on camera about the issue, but did issue a brief statement which reads, in part, Coromandel will work towards restructuring its finances and advance its operations. Meanwhile, the company continues to advertise pre-sales at buildings it is developing. Economists say the real estate industry as a whole is at risk of being overleveraged. Coromandel might be the first of many insolvencies. But the big thing is you're sitting uh, on a lot of projects uh, with debt accruing every month, and, and that debt has gotten a lot more expensive. Whether this insolvency affects pre-sale buyers at this point is unclear. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A recent survey by the Canadian Home Builders Association has found the average timeline for development is 15 months in Vancouver compared to 14 months in Surrey and 21 months in Burnaby. Canada-wide, Charlottetown is the fastest with a timeline of just three months, while Toronto is the slowest with the average development permit process taking more than 32 months. A prime piece of real estate is up for sale in West Kelowna, but there are concerns it could mean the end of nearly 40 affordable homes. The Green Bay Mobile Home Park sits between Okanagan Lake and a number of wineries. It's listed at more than $7 million. Property values within the park range from $47,000 to $200,000. But houses across the street are valued at more than a million, putting some on edge about the future of the land. Still. Any development would take years. They would have to go through quite a lengthy process in terms of rezoning and dealing with the Ministry of Environment and that sort of thing. Uh, so there's anybody who buys it, there's going to be no shovels put in the ground for several years. The property sold last year, but that buyer had issues with financing. It's been back on the market since mid-January. A big announcement today from former B.C. Premier John Horgan, which at first prompted some concerns for his health. That's right. Thankfully, that wasn't uh, the case. Keith Baldry joins us now live in Victoria with more on this. Keith, that it wasn't about his health. He's still cancer-free, but it was about his future without politics. Yeah, sort of a surprise, yet not a surprise announcement by John Horgan today. We got word in the morning he was going to be making a speech in the House at 1 o'clock. We haven't seen him in this legislative session. Thursday afternoons are usually fairly bereft of MLAs in the House, uh, but that wasn't the case today. The word was buzzing that this was his retirement speech that John Horgan was going to deliver uh, to his fellow MLAs there. He gave a, an emotional speech, a funny speech, got a standing ovation. You see him walking with his longtime friend and colleague, uh, current Health Minister Adrian Dix. And everyone on hand, as I say, most people don't go into the House on Thursday afternoon, remain in their offices. But today, everybody showed up to hear the Premier. Now, what's interesting, he could not say in the, in the chamber uh, while on his feet that he was resigning. Because under a quirky law, the B.C. Constitutional Act, that meant he would have to give up his seat immediately. He, so he had to come out in the hallway and meet with reporters to clarify exactly what he's talking about. So this is his last speech. It was his retirement speech. But he's going to be in MLA for a few weeks longer into March. And he explains that. Uh, being part of this institution has been critical to, to who I am uh, over uh, half a lifetime, but it's time for me to go and do something else. So I'm not able to, I was not able to say that in the legislature or it would have immediately triggered um, my resignation. I will be speaking with the speaker. Uh, my intention is to leave uh, this place in March. I believe I've done as much as I can do and some, some will, say you've done too much, please go now. But I, um, 
Uh, I've spent a lot of time doing this, and, and uh, I believe there are other things in the world for me to do, and I'm excited about that. So another word on exactly what he's going to do. It would be interesting not to have him here. I've been here for a long time. So is he. We, he, he arrived here in 92, a little after me. So he called himself that he became part of the building during his time here. Now, when he does resign in March, formally, the, David E. will have six months to call a by-election within that time. And it's a fairly safe NDP seat. Horgan's won it five straight times by very comfortable margins. Uh, the capital is a very strong NDP town, so it's really favored for them to retain the ownership of that seat come the next by-election whenever it is, but we wish John Horgan all the best in his next adventure. No doubt we do. He's been a very colorful leader of this province, and we'll save any more on that topic for when he actually does step aside. Keith, thanks very much. Well, the death toll in Turkey hits a grim new milestone. People around the world are rallying to help, including B.C., the Vancouver warehouse that's become ground zero for the relief effort, next on the NewsHour. I'm just not going to die and not have checked off everything that I want to do. A prostate cancer survivor on the fast track to recovery coming up later on the news hour. And making Bowen even better. What's planned for the island that gives you another reason to visit? That's still to come. Right now, though, another grim milestone in that devastating earthquake that rocked Turkey and Syria on Monday. More than 20,000 people have now perished in that disaster. The death toll rising even as there are more remarkable stories of survivors still being pulled from the rubble, like this young girl who was found alive. An exhausted rescuer visibly moved after she was freed. But the window to reach survivors keeps narrowing. In Turkey, excavators are being used to dig mass graves for the dead. On Monday, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake followed by several powerful aftershocks flattened buildings and other structures across southeastern Turkey and northwest Syria. And the unfolding disaster has had a heart-wrenching impact on a B.C. woman who lost several members of her family when the quake leveled her hometown in Turkey. As Sarah McDonald shows us, she's now focused on turning her grief into action and helping rebuild her home country. As devastation struck in her hometown of Iskandarun, Turkey, late Sunday, Nurel Simboltepe anxiously awaited updates on her family there from her home in Vancouver. I basically lost half of my family in this earthquake. Uh, I've lost um, six members of my core family. She wouldn't have to wait long. Within hours, Simboltepe, like tens of thousands of others who've now lost loved ones in the most destructive earthquake in recent years, received earth-shattering news. Six close relatives were dead. With more members of her extended family seen here at a wedding last August, still unaccounted for. My own nephew said, my brother's in this building and your brother's in this building and, and I can see that half of it is gone. And then the second earthquake, the other half went down. A brother, a sister-in-law, a brother-in-law, a nephew, his wife, and their infant son, all lost to the 7.8 magnitude quake. They were under the same building and they passed away. And that was a very tall building, probably one of the tallest in Iskandarun. In the depths of her grief, Simboltepe feels compelled to share her story, to draw aid and attention to the hardest hit regions, which will continue to need it for years to come. There's lots of people under the rubble and families will never rest 
until those bodies are found and buried. And after that, there's much more work to do. Which is why Simboltepe herself plans to leave Vancouver for Turkey when it's safe to do so. It's too late for my family, that's for sure. Uh, but I want to do something for the region. To help her surviving relatives and her home country in whatever way she can. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Well, the grassroots efforts in B.C. to help earthquake survivors keeps growing, with volunteers springing into action to collect donations as soon as news broke of the disaster. Members of the Burnaby Urban Search and Rescue Team have now arrived in Turkey and are doing their part to support the overwhelming rescue and recovery efforts. Jasmine Bala reports. So this is the number 2549. Uh, this is a blanket. More than 2,500 boxes sitting in a warehouse in Vancouver. Sleeping bags, tents, here we have the child clothes, uh, child shoes. All of these supplies headed to Istanbul on direct flights out of YVR three times a week. The latest one flying out Thursday night on Turkish Airlines. We have like almost 12 pallets, which is like a two tons of uh, boxes. It's a large operation entirely run by volunteers. Um, not working shipping company, but we try to exactly now, we try to make some shipping. I was working in the morning, I had meetings and I came here to help right now and I'll be here till, uh, till midnight, like we're sleeping maybe two, three hours every day. And the community is pitching in, the need shifting away from clothes to things like tents and blankets people coming to drop off donations from as far away as Edmonton. I just left from Edmonton about 8 p.m. last evening and I drove as fast as possible to and send Turkey to help as quick as possible. And the local aid goes beyond donations. Burnaby Urban Search and Rescue made the 15-hour flight to Turkey on Tuesday and within one hour of arriving were boots on the ground in Adiyaman. So far there's just been a lot of devastation that they've seen. Tons of pancake buildings, vast debris fields, tons of people outside in the cold huddling around. Uh, burn barrels because they're unable to go into their houses. The crew is using search cameras and a seismic listening device to try and find survivors. Well, they've had some reports from people saying that there's signs of life within buildings, so we'll go do targeted searches on that. It's the only search crew on the ground from Canada. I have to say that we are grateful that they are there and we feel proud. But it's of, of course very, you know, heartwarming, you know, all these efforts. The efforts still going strong as the need for aid continues. How long are you going to try to keep this going? As long as we can. They lost their homes, so they have nothing. Jasmine Bala, Global News. And another way you can help, you can donate to the Humanitarian Coalition, which brings together verified organizations, including Oxfam Canada. Their website, together.ca, and the number on your screen, 1-855-461-2154. Take a short break and just ahead, the scamming season. The criminals seem to be maybe practicing and ramping up their, their attacks against Canadians already. You might not be thinking about your taxes yet, but fraudsters sure are. How to spot their scams next. Also to come, a list of lost property. Is any of this yours? Good evening. An ongoing police incident here on the downtown east side has westbound traffic blocked on Hastings between Main Street and Columbia Streets. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert 
care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac cares for kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a police incident in Vancouver. Tax season is just around the corner and fraudsters are already ramping up their attempts to target Canadians. Some of this year's scams are very sophisticated looking email links designed to steal your personal information. Consumer Matters reporter Andrew is here now with more on how to spot the scams and protect yourself. And Thanks, Sophie. We spoke with a cybersecurity expert who warned us about these latest phishing scams circulating right now which impersonate the Canada Revenue Agency. What makes these particular online scams so concerning is they look very legitimate and contain no spelling mistakes or any obvious grammatical errors, which have been key giveaways in the past. Instead, they have official-looking Government of Canada logos, Interact logos, and some state there's a certain amount of money you are owed. Basically, there are few, if any, signs they are fake, aside from the link that's in them, which leads you to a web page designed, cybersecurity experts say, to steal your password personal information, even your social insurance number. What's really concerning about these waves of them in the last year, and especially the last few months, is the quality is so high, the average person might not spot them. They're incredibly sophisticated, and uh, we're, we're relying more and more on the technology to protect us as opposed to being able to spot a scam when it's coming in. This time around, you know, they, they, the criminals, whether they're Canadian or not, is unknown, but usually they're foreign criminals, and they've studied to understand that Interact is a way that we transact money. They know what Interact uh, payment notification emails look like, like most of us will get when we're exchanging stuff on Craigslist or Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace. Like, we're all accustomed to seeing these messages. And they've taken the time to tailor the scam to exactly match the thing that we're comfortable with. So the question is, how do you protect yourself? For starters, do not click on any links and do not reply to the email message or send any personal information. The CRA will not ask you by email for personal information, bank information, payments by e-transfers or gift cards. The CRA will not send you an email with a link to your refund and the CRA will never threaten you with an arrest or a prison sentence. There are times when the CRA may notify you by email with the new message or document but you will be directed to a secure CRA portal such as My Account. If in doubt, you can find out more information on the Canada.ca website. And if you have a Consumer Matter for me, you can email me at consumermatters.globalnews.ca. All right, thanks for that, Anne. One person has been arrested following a standoff in Burnaby. Several ERT crews converged on a home on Gravely Street and McDonald Avenue earlier this afternoon. Armed officers were seen running back and forth between the home and one of their trucks. One person was eventually taken away in handcuffs by police. Exactly how long police were there and what prompted this response, though, is still unclear. We do have multiple calls into Burnaby RCMP for more information. So far, we have not heard back. Coquitlam RCMP are putting out a public appeal to reunite some found property with its rightful owners. In December... Two wakeboards were found in some bushes in Port Coquitlam. It's believed they were stolen and stashed in the shrubs in the 1600 block of Industrial Avenue. A gold wedding band was turned into the Ridgeway Community Police Office in mid-December after being found near Mallard Middle School. A silver ring found on a walking trail around Lafarge Lake was turned in at the end of December. And at the beginning of January, five pieces of jewelry were located outside the Safeway on Shaughnessy Street in Port Coquitlam. Also, another ring was found in November near the covered picnic table area 
at Lions Park in Port Coquitlam. It was handed over in January. Also in January, a suitcase full of family photographs found in the tree line near an industrial parking lot near the 1400 block of Broadway. If any of these items are yours or you know who they belong to, you're asked to call Coquitlam RCMP. Wow. Hope we can find some of the rightful owners of those things. Just ahead, the cardiologist cleaning schools. What I'm sure about is that I want to practice medicine. The red tape forcing this doctor from Argentina to put her career on hold in Canada. Also coming up, the amazing life and music of Burt Bacharach. Big delays for southbound traffic over here at the Patello Bridge this evening. That's because there's a pothole southbound at the south end and crews are on scene trying to fix it. Through a charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Patello Bridge. The South Okanagan Company is encouraging other employers to hire inclusively, just as it has done. At Brutus Truck Bodies in Penticton, Lyndon Hicks runs the company's bandsaw full-time. Taylor Shea does custodial work and other duties around the manufacturing plant. The pair, who both live with disabilities, were hired by the company a few years ago after connecting with boss James Bernique. Back in 2017, me, me and my boss over there were, were on the same team for bowling, and he gave him the, me this job for a good reason, to show me, what, me, show me what, what I got. I was quite nervous when I first started, but after a while, I got the hang of it, got to know all the guys around the shop. It's just been an amazing thing, and I, I wish other employers could find the same thing in other people. They're, they're out there. The Penticton and District Society for Community Living provides services to support people with disabilities by finding jobs and companies like Brutus through inclusive hiring. A cardiologist trained in South America says it's nearly impossible to get her certification in Canada because the cost is too high. The young Argentinian doctor says she's willing to get certified and complete any tests necessary to practice medicine but as Paul Johnson reports, Canada makes it too difficult. What I'm sure about is that I want to practice medicine. Meet Dr. Marina Lucerarian, a certified cardiologist in her native Argentina. Now living in Burnaby, she and her family are on the path to permanent residency here. I always knew what I wanted to do. But lately, she's been swinging a vacuum cleaner instead of a stethoscope. I'm cleaning schools. Uh, I've been doing that for eight months. I have been uh, a cleaner. Then after I worked in constructions. Loisel Aguero has had a similarly humbling career path since coming to Canada a few years ago. The Venezuelan has just now landed a gig as an operating room assistant. But that's a far cry from his previous job as an internal medicine doctor in Caracas. It's money. I think the, problem, the big problem here is money. Both of the young doctors knew the process of transferring their skills to Canada would be lengthy and require more training and tests. Well, they're up for that. What they can't front right now is the money just to get the process going. All that process could cost me over $10,000. And of course, I can, 
I cannot afford that right now. These stories come the very week that Canada's premiers went cap in hand to Ottawa to shore up provincial medical systems that continue to shock and disappoint. But amidst all the photo ops and announcements, could Canada be doing more to leverage the talent that's already here? It's really sad and it's really frustrating because we know that we can provide a lot of help through our knowledge, through our experience. We can help satisfy the, the, the actual healthcare needs, but we are still not being considered for that. I will try. And if the door is open, I will enter. I will do it. In Burnaby, Paul Johnson, Global News. Still ahead, the oldest rookie on the track. So unless you're pushing the envelope, you're not really living. A 73-year-old racing to live his best life after a late-stage cancer diagnosis. And imagining a better Bowen Island, plans for a new park, and how you can help shape it. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us, when BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us, when BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Public engagement for a proposed new regional park on Bowen Island begins tomorrow. Metro Vancouver will purchase 97 hectares of land on the southwest tip of the island for $40 million for the park. The first phase of engagement will run until March 20th to show the public the concept, plan and design. People can complete a feedback form on the Metro Vancouver website. Great little boat ride when the weather is nice. <laughs> I haven't had a ton of that lately. Let's check in with Christy for a look at the forecast. And um, yeah, strangely in clouds. Clouds behind it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I have to admit, Chris, we were hoping for more breaks of blue sky if you're looking for a nice weather today. It didn't really happen. That cold front moved on quickly. But yes, these stranger-looking clouds captured around the lower mainland and the south coast. It was pictured in uh, the Comox area as well. And it's sort of a stratus cloud where you can see this wave-like formation. So it's what we call an undulus or undulating cloud. And what happens is uh, you can have a cloud like this, a stratus cloud, move up and over a mountain. We had very strong outflow winds this morning. And so it moves up and over the mountain range and then sort of dips down the other side. Look at these winds that we saw this morning. So it comes from here across up and over and it creates that wave like form in the cloud. Now, that's not the case right now. We have actually the opposite winds where we do have a weather statement in place. We're seeing a southerly flow and there is a special weather statement because there's a chance we could see gusts up to 80 kilometers an hour. Potential for delays in the ferries, potential for power outages. So it's a heads up for these areas across southern Metro Vancouver. So this is that that southerly flow that we were talking about really targeting those areas. It will die down by midnight as this cold front swings across the region and we'll see periods of rain. Tomorrow we get in behind it, but there's going to be a fair amount of instability tomorrow. So don't leave home without your rain jacket. It's going to be one of those days where you'll see breaks of blue sky, but you'll need your rain jacket because the rain could be heavy at times. It comes with a risk of thunderstorms and we could see hail. So uh, yeah, William Galis, get out that phone. You may capture some hail tomorrow. All right. So there's a look at your forecast for the interior 
regions, a few flurries in the morning changing over to showers for the south coast. Again, pockets of rainfall. Temperatures will be mild, 9, 10 degrees for the metro Vancouver region, but a risk of thunderstorms. So keep your eye on the sky, especially through the latter part of the day. And then into our Saturday, drier conditions, but cooler over the weekend. Periods of rain are expected on Sunday. Tonight, central windows weather window coming to you from the metro Vancouver region, looking out towards the North Shore Mountains, the Lionsgate Bridge there. That was from this morning. So thank you to Randall for that one. Gorgeous shot. Very nice. Thank you, Christy. Legendary composer Bert Bacharach has died at the age of 94. That's, that's the music your mom played, your dad played. Working with lyricist Hal David, Bacharach helped create a great number of hit songs, many for Dionne Warwick. The hits include Walk On By and Do You Know The Way To San Jose. Bacharach was a Grammy, Oscar and Tony winner and helped write several films like Arthur and What's New Pussycat. Reports say the composer died of natural causes on Wednesday in his L.A. home. And in fact, I do know the way to San Jose. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> Great tune. So many songs that I didn't even realize were his. But Prolific composer. Really. And there's a Canadian and connection. And generations, too. Yeah. What's the Canadian connection? He went to McGill University. Oh, that's right, yeah. For music, yeah. That's right. He was from Kansas City, but he went to Ms. McGill for some reason, but he learned, he learned his craft, as they say. Never take on, never take on Squire in, in music trivia. Well, and, and like lose. this song, Do You Know the Way to San Jose? And By the Time I Get to Phoenix. That's also an old hit song, too. Really? Glenn what a Campbell. segue. What a segue See? to your sports tease. Talking about the Phoenix Open of golf, <laughs> which is feeling very Abbotsford right now. Back-to-back -back birdies. That's his sixth birdie on the back nine. Yeah, Abbotsford's Nick Taylor and Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin are tied for top spot in the first round of the Phoenix Open. How about that? Also tonight. I don't feel old. I just feel weird. <laughs> okay, well, the 73-year-old race car driver shifting his life into high gear to complete his bucket list. that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Uh, the world is learning about the golf mecca of Abbotsford. That's true. They don't already know. That's true. And Surrey as well. Adam mm -hmm. Svensson. Um, actually, a lot of good golfers that come out of BC over the years. Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin will always be linked, of course, because they grew up on Ledgeview in Abbotsford. Uh, and they both winter in Arizona. And right now they're tied for top spot in the Phoenix Open. Now, the first round is not over. They had to stop it because of darkness. They had a frost delay. Uh, but this has been a good season in the PGA for BC golfers. Surrey's Adam Svensson has already won this season. Uh, let's go to the first round of the Phoenix Open, where, of course, they have the famous 16th hole, which is surrounded by a stadium. And they'll boo if you don't hit the green on your tee shot. Nick Taylor didn't get booed. 
That's about 20,000 fans watching this one hole. No pressure. They will heckle. They will throw beer cans. Whatever it takes to make it a rowdy party. And Taylor gets the bird. And here's another birdie. That's his sixth birdie on the back nine. Boy, has he caught He had six birdies in the back nine. He took over the lead on the 17th. And then Adam Hadwin starts playing A-level golf as well. Great approach on the fifth to eight feet. And then he would sink the birdie putt. And he and Tater right now are on top of the leaderboard at five under par. All right, off to the Islanders and the Canucks where Bo Horvat gets to play against his old team. Early in the game, whoops, Colin Delia. That one got ripped by him. Kyle Palmieri makes it one nothing. And Oliver Ekman Larson's shot, it actually looks like it might have been deflected in by former Islander Anthony Beauvillier right here. Well, they kept it as an Ekman Larson goal at last check, so it's 1-1. Then a guy we haven't seen enough of this year, Brock Besser. At least not enough of this scoring on the one-timer. Not a patented Brock Besser shot, but it does find the back of the net to make it 2-1. So Brock scores for the Canucks, and then Brock scores for the Islanders. Brock Nelson. 2-2 after 20 minutes for the second period. End of a power play. Now, on this power play, Bo Horvat had a goal disallowed for goaltender interference just as the power play ended. Coquitlam's Matt Barzell makes it 3-2. And then Barzell sets up number 14, who used to be number 53. Horvat scores against the Canucks. As Kyle Burrows leaves him alone, he should know better than that, 4-2. Ah, but Vancouver's not done scoring themselves. Phil DiGiuseppe behind the net. Nils Oman's in front. That makes it 4-3. Third period, power play for Vancouver. It's uh, Quinn Hughes to the guy who won the hardest shot competition at the All-Star Skills. Elias Pettersson, that makes it 4-4. And Pettersson would score again. Besser relays to Pedersen. He shoots. He scores. 5-4 now Pedersen for the Canucks. The and they are still in the third the period in this one. Maybe Vancouver might be able to beat their old teammate. Well, it didn't take Bruce Boudreaux long to find another job. He's not a coach, but he will be an analyst on the NHL network where he was working before. You know what I've often thought? Why not restart Coach's Corner and make Bruce Boudreaux the coach in Coach's Corner? Anyway. Good to see him smiling again and back talking about hockey, which, of course, he loves to do. Speaking of uh, more hockey news, the Rangers acquired forward Vladimir Tarasenko in a trade with the Blues. Part of that deal saw a first-round pick going to St. Louis. Tarasenko is having an offseason. Injuries have slowed him down the last few years, but the hope is he'll find a scoring touch in New York, and his contract runs out this year, so it's really not a bad gamble for the Rangers. Well, the BC Lions gave quarterback Vernon Adams Jr. a contract extension yesterday through the 2024 season, but they also lost two key players. Linebacker Jordan Wilson wanted a trade to an Eastern team, so the Lions obliged. They sent him to the Toronto Argonauts for a first-round pick. And it looks like the Lions' top running back last season, James Butler, is going to sign a free agent contract with the Ticats. Now, free agency doesn't officially start until Valentine's Day, but reports say Butler is pretty much already a tie cat. Last season, he rushed for 1,060 yards, had 11 touchdowns, both rushing and receiving. So this is a hole the Lions are going to have to fill. They have a few holes to fill. 
No more Brian Burnham. Of course, Nathan is gone, Nathan Rourke. And Jordan Williams was a tough loss, too, but now James Butler. And it seems everything is happening in Phoenix this week. We already mentioned the Phoenix Open. The Super Bowl, of course, is Sunday in Phoenix. And the Phoenix Suns made a blockbuster trade last night, getting Kevin Durant from Brooklyn. It is amazing how many current NBA stars have played for Baltimore teams. Not many seem to stay with the same franchise. Steph Curry, I guess, with Golden State, and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo with Milwaukee. But a lot of those stars have moved around, and Kevin Durant is one of them. There you go. Amazing deal. Thanks, Squire. The septuagenarian tearing up the racetrack, fueled by his fight with cancer. Coming up next. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you by JM Media. Visit jmmedia.ca. Jordan Armstrong standing by now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, a violent repeat offender who walked away from a Surrey halfway house last week is back behind bars tonight. And police have a global viewer to thank. John Michael Aronson was spotted this afternoon having a nap in a vehicle in Peachland. The viewer sent us this video of Aronson sound asleep. He has a long criminal resume and has been described by police as dangerous. Plus, someone has repeatedly vandalized a particular cell phone tower in Abbotsford. Why? Police don't know. They do know that they want you to take a good look at some suspect photos and we'll have them at 11. Sophie? All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jordan. Tonight, Sydney senior David Smith is doing things most of us can only imagine. After beating prostate cancer, the 72-year-old is now on track to be the oldest rookie in the upcoming ARCA NASCAR series. Jay Durant caught up with him in a pit stop on This Is BC. It's crunch time for Shockwave Motorsports and driver David Smith. Just a month left to get ready for the ARCA NASCAR season. The goal for the soon-to-be 73-year-old is to win Rookie of the Year in the most challenging series he's ever raced. Unless you're experiencing do things unless you're pushing the envelope you're not really living smith got his start in motorsports as a young man building race cars with those engineering skills he eventually launched shockwave marine suspension seating oh you got he's in the waves his sense of adventure took him on a 13,000 kilometer trip through the northwest passage in 2010. it'd be like two three o'clock in the morning and the waves would be pounding the boat, you'd be on the Bering Sea or just somewhere way out in the middle of nowhere, and you would think you're going to die. We were the first people to ever go through the Arctic in an open boat. A year later, Smith was diagnosed with metastatic prostate cancer. The outlook was bleak, but he battled, beat the disease, and was reinvigorated once again. As deep into cancer as I was, and then according to the cancer doctors, is recovered from that and to, to start to do like the most wacky things you could imagine. That meant to return to the track, but this time, for the first time ever, he was the one behind the wheel. Smith has spent the past five years moving up the racing ranks. I'm just not gonna die and not have checked off everything that I wanna do. 
He's about to become the ultimate underdog in the series, racing against guys in their late teens, early 20s. The ageless rookie who's certain to become one of the fan favorites out at the track. Everybody says, when are you going to stop driving? And I says, when they pry the steering wheel out of my cold, dead hands. Jay Durant, Global News. That felt very Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. <laughs> if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. He's done a lot of things and a lot of things at very high speed. I feel like that's something <laughs> yeah. you would I, he feels like my spirit animal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very cool stuff. Uh, okay, let's check uh, one last check on weather here with uh, Christy before we go. So, so we're still expecting windy conditions this evening and we'll see periods of rain overnight. We get in behind it tomorrow. We'll see pockets of blue sky, but definitely periods of rain sort of on and off. And it could be heavy with that risk of thunderstorms. And we even have the potential for hail. So a little bit of everything for your day tomorrow with a high of 10 degrees. Dry but mainly cloudy on Saturday and we'll see periods of rain on Sunday. It's going to be exciting tomorrow. No doubt about <laughs> it. With, a, with all you're throwing at us there, Christy. <laughs> That's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you tomorrow.